0: Well, good morning, Westview. How are you this Father's Day? All right, all the fathers. Happy Father's Day to the fathers-to-be. Happy-to-be Father's Day. (laughs) Amen. My name is Wayne Hobson. I'm one of the pastors here at Westview Community Church. And we want to welcome you doing our series, A Mile in Their Shoes, which explains these shoes and all these shoes on the stage. But let's take care of some housekeeping first. Just a few announcements. First of all, if you are here with us for the very first time, or even if you have been here a couple of times, we want to welcome you and thank you for joining us this morning. And at the bottom of your worship guide, there is a perforated section, which is our Connect card. Please be sure to fill that out. We would love to. To connect with you. And then next, as you saw, a couple of things going on. VBS is coming up next month but there are sign-ups going on right now out in the West Lobby. Uh, Brennan McNellis is out there to greet you and to help you sign up for that. And we have camps coming up as well. Uh, for our 4th through 6th graders, that kids camp sign up ends next Sunday. Next Sunday, you'll need to get your applications in. Moms and dads, you'll need to get those applications in next Sunday for kids camp. And, of course, finally, our junior high students are going on their camping trip tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. They're going to be leaving from our West Wing doors. So please make sure if you want to pray with them, come about 8.45 or so to pray with Pastor Dylan, our youth pastor, as he takes our junior high school students on their camp. They're going to King Solomon Camp. So along with that, We are continuing now In this series called A Mile in Their Shoes In which we are Looking at different characters In scripture And Each of these characters Are unique for each of us Doing these sermons In this summer series It's all about how to Empathize with Certain individuals in scripture And how Our lives intersect with theirs. And this morning, the character we're going to look at doesn't have a name, but yet we will know her story intimately this morning. Because her name for us this morning is her story. Because her name is his daughter, his daughter. And we're going to be coming from Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 34. Mark is, of course, the second gospel or second book in the New Testament. And when the time comes, of course, we'll have the scripture here up on the screen but we just wanted you to know so you can read along with us for yourselves, to know God's word for yourself. This particular story, i related to in a number of ways. And as you can see, these shoes here, these are my outside shoes the shoes I would use to do gardening or any outside work. These I have on my feet. These are my house shoes. Yeah, you already can tell the difference, right? (laughs) These look kinda comfy and fluffy. These are dirty and grungy. And at the same time, Each of these pairs of shoes relate to the verses we're going to look at this morning. Because these shoes I can only wear when I'm outside. I cannot wear them inside. My wife would have a conniption. (laughs) So these have to stay either outside the house or in the garage. And these I only wear around the house. And the significance of all of that is that the woman we're going to look at today knows a lot about being outside because those shoes represent her life. And the connection is that she was outside of her community, her family, and even outside of the house of worship and even when I look at these shoes they're unappealing and in fact they seem to be reproachable they seem to be something I wouldn't want to touch because they're unclean and whereas these shoes make me feel good They give me a snuggly feeling, a warm, homey kind of feeling. And as we explore Mark chapter 5, we're going to see a connection perhaps with our own lives. Let's take a look. Starting at verse 21 in Mark Because when Jesus had crossed back over in the boat to the other side, a great multitude or crowd was gathered to him, and he was by the sea. Behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, came, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and begged him much, saying, My little daughter, is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her that she may be made healthy and live. He went with him and a great crowd of multitude followed him and they pressed upon him on all sides. A certain woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years And had suffered many things by many physicians And had spent all that she had And was no better But rather grew worse Having heard the things concerning Jesus Came up behind him in the crowd And touched his clothes For she said if I just touch his clothes I will be made well Immediately, the flow of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately, notice Mark uses that word again. Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power had gone out from him, turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? his disciples said to him, you see the multitude pressing against you and you say, who touched me? He looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what had been done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be whole from your plague. number of things going on in this story, isn't there? And there's even one scenario that took place before these two stories of Jairus' daughter and the woman that we're focusing on this morning. For in verses 1 through 20, there was an incident in which Jesus cast out demons from a man in the land called Gadara. That's why when verse 21 starts off, it starts off talking about he was back in the boat and went back to the other side. He went from Gadara after casting the demons out of this man. And you may remember the story of this man because... He had so many demons that their name was Legion. And now Jesus, after healing him, compels the man to go home because the man wants to go follow Jesus, to go home with Jesus. But Jesus says no you go to your home and tell them what wonderful things God has done for you and so Jesus then gets on the boat and goes back across the sea of Galilee and comes to Capernaum that's where scholars believe the two stories in verses 21 to 34 take place Capernaum ironically Scholars have said that Capernaum was like a second home to Jesus. So we have this man who Jesus sends home after having demons cast out of him. Then we have him going to his second home, Capernaum. And then the story says that Jairus comes to meet him. Jairus comes from home to bring Jesus back home with him to lay hands on his daughter. And in the midst of that happening, this woman with the issue of blood, hemorrhaging for 12 years, she leaves her home to go meet Jesus. Three scenarios involving home all connected to Jesus. The man with the demons, Jairus, and now this woman. And Jesus is at home in the place that these stories begin to take surface for us. And here's what's so fascinating. Jesus, thank God, is a multitasker because he's performing multiple miracles and he finds the time to address each and every one because Jairus now, and when he falls at Jesus' feet looking for Jesus to come home with him, Has no idea this woman's coming. And this woman interrupts his miracle. But this woman, unlike Jairus and unlike even the man with the demons, doesn't talk to Jesus directly because she's outside of her community. You see, her hemorrhaging for 12 years made her an outcast, just like these shoes that can't come in the house. She couldn't even go into the midst of her own home to be at peace with her own family because there was, within the law of Moses, in the book of Leviticus, chapter 15, there was a clause that said, if a woman had an issue of blood, she was deemed to be unclean until the blood flow stopped. So she knew she was unclean. She knew she was about to do something that could be considered sacrilegious because she would go up behind a holy man and touch his clothes. But keep in mind, she's at her wit's end because not only is she an outcast within her own family, in her own home, she's an outcast within the community. She's even an outcast when it comes to going to the house of worship. She's outside of, of the community. I wonder how many of us this morning feel like that. How many of us feel like even in our own house, we don't feel at home? How many in our relationships with friends and family, even coworkers, we feel left out? That's exactly what this woman had felt like but for 12 long years and in the midst of her feeling like an outcast she reaches out to her last hope because not only is all of her money gone and trying to find cures and going to different doctors but all of her hope is gone too until she hears that Jesus is coming. And the crowd gathers because they already knew Jesus well. He had already been teaching in Capernaum and the fame of his miraculous power has spread all throughout Judea by that point. And so this woman already knew that he was her last hope and when she gets to him and the only way she can get to him is to crawl through the crowd behind him because you see you had Jairus who was one of the rulers of the synagogue and he would have deemed her unclean and would never have allowed her to touch Jesus And then you had the crowd who knew she was unclean, perhaps. And then you had Jesus himself. And unlike the man with the demons and unlike Jairus, she feels unworthy to even have a conversation with him. She feels so unworthy. She doesn't even want to talk to him. Not because of him, but because of how she felt about herself. But thank God, Jesus doesn't treat us the way we treat ourselves. because Jesus already knew what was going to happen. And he came to Capernaum, just like he comes to us. Because Jesus always comes to meet us where we are. It doesn't matter how unclean we feel, how dirty we think we are, how unworthy we find ourselves. Jesus comes to meet us where we are. The only way this woman could get to him is if he came to her, if he came to Capernaum. And when she realizes he's there, she crawls through the crowd And she touches the bottom of his garment You see Jewish men would wear Something called in Hebrew Zit zit And what it was was tassels That would hang from the bottom of your tunic All Jewish men would wear A tunic And these tassels there would be four of them that would be attached to the bottom of your tunic. This garment piece was holy. It was holy because in the book of Numbers, in chapter 15 of Numbers, God had declared that the children of Israel would wear these tassels or zitzit to be a symbol of how they were to be a separated people, and that the world would recognize them as a holy people because of how they dressed, because of what they wore. This woman, being dirty, touches the most holy and most clean part of Jesus. And in the midst of doing that, found herself healed, but her shame caused her to walk off. Why? Because not only was she considered to be unclean, but for someone like Jesus to even pay her any mind would have been mind-boggling. Why would he care? Because when the other people around him came and gathered about him, they wanted something from him. But it was Jairus and this woman who needed him. Because they needed More than just to see him They were willing To acknowledge his greatness Compared to their smallness But this woman Felt the smallest Out of everyone else In that crowd And she gets her healing Mark said that Immediately, she felt the flow of blood, the hemorrhaging, stop. Twelve long years of being an outcast, of being unhealthy, being ill, seemed over in an instant just by her approaching Jesus. But then she walks away. She crawls away in the crowd hoping nobody saw her, nobody even noticed her. How many of us in our lifetimes have felt unnoticed? Felt like we didn't even matter. And so as she leaves, Jesus stops. Who touched me? Who touched my clothes? The woman at that point became so fearful and trembling she could probably hardly even move. And now he's looking at her. His eyes are meeting hers. And she's probably saying in herself, Don't look at me! Don't look at me! Please! just let me go just let me go and Jesus says no I can't let you go because you may be healed but you're not whole her condition was one that made her feel like an outcast and those who knew her would have known she was still unclean in their own thought. She had healing for her body, but not for her soul. And so Jesus now, as he stops this woman to put her in a position of acknowledging what just happened with her. Not only is he now speaking to her, but he's speaking for her. Because though she felt unclean, like many of us sometimes, whether it's something in our lives, whether it's something in our past, whether it is our relationships with others, there's something in us that's not whole. Healed, yes, but not whole. Because her mind was still troubled. How was she going to explain what happened? How was she going to tell people she was healed? Because she came up behind him. Who would verify that she's healed? Because in those days, The rulers of the synagogue would have to pronounce you clean if you were unclean. But who was going to do that if she just went home? Our condition makes us feel unworthy to approach Jesus. So she hides, but Jesus calls her out not to embarrass her, but to make her complete. Because as this woman is looking around, hoping that she doesn't have to confess what just happened, Jesus says, come, come to me. Maybe not with his words, but his eyes looked right through her and so she comes to him and tells him everything that happened she makes it clear that she's sorry oh I I didn't mean it's just that you were the only hope I had I didn't mean to do and Jesus with just a few simple words says to her the best thing she's heard in twelve long years daughter your faith has made you well keep in mind now with these sets of stories that Mark tells us with Jairus and his daughter and now this woman with the issue of blood who Jesus calls daughter Jairus' daughter was 12 years old. This woman had been sick 12 years. That means she had been sick as long as Jairus' daughter had been alive. Jesus, in the midst of all of this, sees our needs and meets us where we are. And though our condition makes us feel that he's unapproachable, thanks be to God, his love makes him worthy to heal us. It's his love that makes him worthy to come meet us in the first place. It doesn't matter how unworthy. We feel he is worthy and beyond that to come and see our faults and our needs and meet them. Because he who's greater than us has a greater love for us than we even have for ourselves. And so now this woman, after Jesus has said to her daughter. Your faith has made you well. She already knew that she was well in her body. But what she didn't realize was that she wasn't well in her mind yet. Because all the damage that the 12 years of being an outcast had done seemed like it was irreparable. But Jesus does repair it in just a few words. Because after he says, daughter, your faith has made you well, he then tells her, go in peace. You are made whole of your plague. Now Jesus is saying two different things here. It sounds like he's repeating himself. He's not. He's saying to her two different things because in the Greek, When he says, Your faith has made you well, that word well really means safe and protected. No one's going to do you any harm because you touched me. I'm protecting you. You are safe in my arms. And then beyond that, he says, Go in peace. Let your mind be at rest. Let your soul be healed along with your body. And He says you are made whole. Because the word whole there now means healthy. It means well. So on one hand when he says well... Your faith has made you well. He's really saying your faith is protecting you. I am protecting you from any repercussions for touching me. But then on the other hand, he says, Now your soul is healed along with your body. The beauty of all of that is that this woman, who was an outcast like these outside shoes, could now go home. She now could put on her house shoes and be at home with her family, with her community, and with her household worship because now Jesus in the midst of this crowd has pronounced her healed let's pray father we lift up each and every person here before you we know that while many of us are healed we're not necessarily whole maybe we've experienced healing in our bodies but not necessarily for our souls, for our minds. As we prepare for our offering, as we prepare to give in the giving boxes at the ends of the doors in the sanctuary, we also now offer up to you ourselves. We offer up to you the ability to trust you for our healing To look to you for our blessing, an eternal blessing, which allows us to come into your presence, not because we're worthy, but because you are worthy, to heal us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness in our minds and in our bodies and in our spirits. We give you thanks and praise your dear son who makes us every bit whole through his name and it is in his name we pray amen Amen. Amen. I want to open up the stage and the steps here for you to come and pray because maybe you've realized you're not whole yet maybe you realize there's a part of you that Jesus still needs to touch. And so as we prepare to play a video, a song by Brandon Lake called Too Good to Not Believe, while that video is playing, we want you to come up and pray, and our prayer team is ready to come up and stand beside you, even kneel down beside you and pray with you. And I want to leave for us the hem of Jesus' garment that that woman touched, that each of us can touch as well as we pray so that we too can go home and put back on our house shoes.